So good morning. Hey, I love hearing that. Uh, my name's Todd, as Chris said, and my wife Karen and I, uh, we're really honored to join you today. Thank you for asking us to be a part of, of today. We really appreciate that. Uh, we're friends of the Reichs from Tucson. Uh, we moved to Tucson about two years ago uh, and started becoming a, a part of a church called Pantano Christian Church. And just after we started going to Pantano, uh, Pantano decided that they were going to uh, create a satellite campus near the main campus uh, with a church called Revolution. And that happened to be the church that Josh led, Revolution, and that's how we met. Josh was leading that church revolution, and Revolution was going to become what we uh, began to call our southeast campus at Pantano. Uh, so Karen and I decided to give it a try, and I'll never forget our first Sunday there. Uh, we're sitting there getting ready to start, and Karen leans over and says, you know, Todd, you know, we, there's a problem. Because the, the preaching at the Pantano's main campus was so absolutely outstanding, so many people. She looked at me and she said, you know, Todd, Josh's preaching, it better not suck. <laughs> because there's no way we can leave the great preaching at Pantano to come here if Josh can't preach. Well, fortunately, Josh's preaching is outstanding. Uh, and that was our first Sunday, and we were, we were hooked uh, in Southeast uh, as soon as we were there that day. So Josh has many friends and mentors, right? He could have asked lots of people to be here, so why did he pick me? Well, about five, six weeks ago, uh, after he'd accepted the job here, he said, you know, Todd, they're going to do a commissioning service. Uh, and uh, he said, I, I can invite all kinds of people out to come speak for me, but you know, most of them work on Sundays, and you don't. So <laughs> if you wouldn't mind, would you come, come stand up for me that day? I said, sure, Josh. Now, that may sound a little harsh, but if you know Josh, you, you know that that's a compliment, because Josh is a very direct guy. Uh, and the closer he knows you and the more of a friend he is, the more he trusts you, the more direct he is. So all of you think you hired Josh, and you did, but you got a lot more than you bargained for. You didn't get one Reich, you got seven, okay? So uh, I want to describe all of them to you, okay? So let's start. Josh and Katie have five incredible kids they refer to as the Reich Five, okay? Ava, Gavin, Ashton, Judah, and Nehemiah. And I'll never forget the first day that I met them. Josh and Katie had invited my wife and Karen and I over to their house for dinner, okay? And, you know, and, and even though we were their parents' brand new friends, uh, the Reich Five were totally unimpressed with all of us, okay? I think they just thought I was some old boring guy. So I noticed that in the backyard they had a trampoline. And I said, hey, you know, could you guys show me how to use the trampoline? That, that looks kind of cool. Now, mind you, I'd never been on a trampoline in my life, okay? I think Karen thought I was crazy, and, you know, maybe I was. But I was determined to make it some kind of impact, good or bad, on the Reich Five. Well, I'm, I'm proud to say I survived the trampoline, uh, and I was at their house earlier this week, and the trampoline made it here to Massachusetts. So my recommendation uh, if you make it to, their, uh, to the Reich's house anytime soon, uh, try out the trampoline. It's, uh, it's pretty cool. So over the last year, Karen and I have really come to love all the Reich children very, very much. They each have a unique 
a set of qualities, great qualities from Josh and Katie. And, and this picture you see on the screen, that's my favorite photo of all of us. It's, we're hiking in the Rincons uh, one day. And I'm really certain that once you get to know the Reich Five, you're going to love them every bit as much as Karen and I do. Okay? So, let's talk about Katie, all right? So, Katie is smarter, she's kinder, she's more talented, and she's harder working than Josh, okay? And I'm serious. It's not just that Josh is a slouch. Katie's just incredible, okay? So, I met Katie before I met Josh. Katie and I were both part of Pantano's photography team. She's a talented photographer. She was the children's pastor at Revolution. Uh, but once COVID hit, uh, they asked her to become the digital discipleship pastor. She went from teaching children and connecting with parents uh, to leading our online campus through technology and connecting that way. So how many people do you know that have the breadth and skill to go from teaching kids to running a large online campus? Think about that breadth of skill and, uh, and ability. Uh, Katie's homeschooled her five kids. So the night I was talking about before with the trampoline, well, that night uh, the, they took me in their garage uh, and they showed me this thing called the trebuchet, okay? Uh, it was part of Gavin Science Project. So who knows, who can tell me what a trebuchet is? Yeah, maybe a few of you, okay? For the rest of you, Google it, okay? A trebuchet is a large medieval catapult, all right? They used to sling things over at the enemy. They, they used it back in medieval times before there was gunpowder, okay? It was part of a science project, as I said. Now, most people, if they were going to do a medieval uh, science project, on medieval weapons, they'd draw pictures, they'd maybe make it out of paper mache, uh, not in Katie's classroom, okay? They're gonna actually build working models of weapons. That's what you do in Katie's classroom. So, she has more practical talents too, okay? One day recently, she sent us a photo of her dryer in pieces. It was broken, and she decided to fix it. And of course she did. Katie is a true Renaissance woman, okay? She's exactly the kind of person the kind of servant, the kind of friend that you want to serve with, okay? So, Josh listed me as one of his references on his resume. So over the past several months, I've spent a lot of time talking to churches about Josh, describing things to Josh. I, I, I did it here uh, before he came here. But there are three things I want to talk about now that I didn't talk about on those reference calls, okay? Three things. The first thing, he's a voracious reader. Now, I talked about that. But there's something else I didn't describe, okay? Uh, when it comes to reading, Josh is old school. He likes to hold real paper books in his hands, so no, no Kindle for Josh. So as much as he reads, and he reads a lot, he has hundreds and hundreds of books, okay? So when you go to their house, ask to see their bookshelf, okay? Because they don't arrange books by title or by author or by subject. They arrange books by the color of the dust jacket. Okay? I have no idea how they find things, big giant bookshelf full of books, I have no idea, but somehow they do. So second thing, Josh is a hardcore grill master, okay? If you don't follow Josh on Instagram, you should, and you'll get to see all about his grilling uh, escapades. One of his favorite things to do after he preaches on Sunday is to go home and cook half a cow on his green egg, okay? Now, if, uh, if you're ever blessed to be at their house after he's cooked, and man, he's really good at it, here's what you should do after he serves you some of the beef off his grill. You should say, Josh, 
could I have some A1 for this, okay? And if he looks at you and says, absolutely not, there's absolutely no need in the world for A1 or any other kind of sauce on this perfectly seasoned beef, okay? If he looks at you and tells you that, you know you're well on the way to becoming one of his friends, all right? So third thing, and this is, this is a tough one for this part of the country, okay? Josh loves football. He is a lifelong, hardcore Pittsburgh Steeler fan, okay? Yeah, I know. They, they nearly kicked him out after the last service. I'm surprised he's still here. So, so my advice is don't bother with the Patriots swag. I know it. He knows it. You're not going to change his mind, okay? It's, it's not going to happen, all right? So Josh and I became really great friends over several hikes in the desert, okay? Here's a photo of us in one of those hikes. A lot of days we'd start before dawn and we'd just hike east to watch the sun rise over the mountains. And we talked about how to solve all sorts of problems on those hikes. Uh, one of our recurring topics was what is the church gonna look like post-pandemic? What should church leaders do? What problems will people face? What do church leaders need to do differently to solve those problems? I can tell you, Josh has spent months thinking about that, praying about the answer to all those questions. And I can tell you that all of you are going to benefit from those plans. That's because Josh is truly a gifted strategic leader. And I just can't wait to see all that God will lead him, lead him to do here at CCC. Josh is also a gifted speaker and a gifted teacher. He was the teaching pastor at Pantano. His job was to think months in advance, plan the sermon series, plan what we were, we were going to be taught, and he, he preached a couple of those sermons as well. Now, the incredible thing is, if you think back to May, the sermon series he planned for last May was a four-part series from the book of Ruth. And as you know, if, if you're a Bible student, the story of Ruth is a story of loss and redemption. So what I want to do now is I want to give you a homework assignment. Is that okay, Josh? I'm going to give everybody a homework assignment. So seriously, uh, and I want you to do this, all right? Um, this, this picture here uh, is from the sermon that, J that Josh taught May 30th, uh, 2020. It was one of his last ones at Pantano, okay? Now, uh, and, uh, I want you to go to, this week, to our website in Tucson. It's called Pantano, P-A-N-T-A-N-O, P-A-N. Tano.church. It's okay. You can take out your phones in church. It's fine. Uh, and write that down. But go to pantano.church, click on On Demand, scroll down to May 30th. You'll see this picture. Okay. It's about, uh, obviously, it's called A New Future is Possible. Okay. And, and I want you to understand the context around this sermon as Josh is preaching it last May. Okay. Uh, if you remember dates, uh, Josh and Katie and the whole family had just been here uh, a few weeks before first trial sermon. So as Josh preaches this sermon, he knows he's coming here, he's accepted the position, he knows what's going to happen, but the congregation in Tucson have no idea. They have no idea what's going on. And he, he does this whole thing uh, as that's happening. He wouldn't announce he was leaving until a few days after this sermon, okay? So the providence of God to lead Josh to plan a sermon series months and months advance, in advance of the month of May about loss rejection, redemption, and a new future. And he did that right in the middle of when he and Katie were going through those very things. 
it's just mind-blowing to me that that could happen. Uh, and uh, keep that in mind as you watch the sermon this week. And, and I can tell you that that Sunday, May 30th, when I watched it, there were tears in my eyes. I, I, you know, as, uh, knowing what Josh was about to announce, knowing what was going on in his mind uh, during that sermon, okay? So I don't want to spoil the sermon for you, uh, but Josh, Katie, I want to repeat a few of the things Josh said in the sermon back to you and to your kids, okay? So keep in mind, the words here, these are Josh's words, they're not mine, okay? This is what he preached that Sunday. So first of the two messages I want to talk about today, okay? On the screen behind me. There are steps God is calling us to take and things God is calling us to step into that if we don't, we will miss the future he has for us. So, moving across a continent to a new place where it's really cold all winter long, that's a really bold step. But that's just the first thing in a long series of steps that God has for all of you. So, Ava, Gavin, Ashton, Judah, Nehemiah, you've all grown up in the desert. You probably imagined that Tucson would be the place that you'd always think you were from. I cannot imagine it was an easy move for you. You had to leave your friends and the only home you've ever known. But I'm going to believe that once you're adults, you'll always introduce yourself as New Englanders. Most of you will probably not remember much about growing up in the desert, and I can't wait to see what God has planned for you, to see what you're able to accomplish for his kingdom. Uh, and I pray that you'll embrace the future he has for you here at CCC. So Josh and Katie, my prayer for you is boldness, for fearlessness, to see and step into all the things God is calling you to do for his kingdom here in New England. God has been preparing both of you for, ministry, for this ministry, this particular one, your entire lives. You've taken this bold step, and I'm confident that you're ready for the future God has planned for you. Okay? So the second message from Josh's sermon that day goes like this. He says, God, help me to trust. Help me to see that harvest is just beginning. Okay? God, help me to trust. Help me to see that harvest is beginning. So you've prayed for this next step in your lives for years. You've prayed and you've trusted that God would bless you, and I believe he has, and I believe he'll continue to bless you. It won't always be easy. Uh, all your days will not be as happy as today is, but I pray you'll always trust that God has sent you here to serve in so many ways that, that you are uniquely prepared to serve. I pray that you'll see harvest in your marriage, in your family, in your ministry, and in the lives of so many New Englanders uh, who find Christ because of your work here, okay? And I also want to look at a scripture uh, from, uh, from Ruth, okay? So if you have your Bibles, if you'll uh, pull them up on your phone, you have a Bible with you, let's look at Ruth chapter 4, okay? Let's look at Ruth chapter 4. Ruth chapter 4, verses 14 and 15, okay? It goes like this, Ruth 4, 14 and 15. The woman said to Naomi, Praise be to the Lord who this day has not left you without a guardian redeemer. May he become famous throughout Israel. He will renew your life and he will sustain you. So Josh and Katie, today I say praise be to the Lord 
who has redeemed your ministry, given your family a new direction. I pray that he will renew your life and sustain all of you for many, many years as you serve here at CCC. So, Karen and I and your friends and family from Tucson are so happy for you. You found a church where you can use your gifts, a church that needs your gifts, and a body of believers that love you very much. So, okay, church, as I finish, I want you to do something for me, all right? Look around. Grant the people around you. Look at yourselves. Look at your hands, okay? You're looking at a living, breathing answer to prayer. Josh, Katie, Karen, and I, and many other people, we've been praying for a long time about this ministry, long before any of us knew who you were or where you were, long before you'd ever met Josh and Katie. And months ago, Josh and Katie were struggling with loss and rejection, thinking about what's God's plan for them. Should they leave Tucson? What should they do? Josh was doing lots of interviews, uh, interviews where he would reject the church, or the church would reject him. And then you guys said yes. Josh and I talked about a church uh, that would really want and need him, a place that would really love his kids, a place where kids would grow up. I now know that Community Covenant Church, all of you, you are the answer to those prayers. All of us prayed. The things all of you have done for Josh and Katie and their family so far, they're nothing short of incredible. God's answered all of our prayers so fully and completely that, that all, of, uh, the, all of their friends back in Tucson, we kind of have a saying, you know, God's done so much. We say, now God's just showing off. That's, that's what we've been saying. I think it's true. So thank you for loving them so well. I pray you'll continue to do that. I pray that uh, you too will all be bold enough to step into the things God is calling you to do and to trust him to see that harvest is just beginning here at CCC. Would you pray with me? Heavenly Father, Josh and Katie have prayed and struggled and cried and sometimes laughed uh, and really tried to trust you for so long through this move. They believed that uh, you would answer their prayers, and you have. And we thank you so much, and we praise you so much for that. And, and I know that so many here at CCC have also prayed and, and said, God, who is our next leader? Who's the next person you're going to bring here to really bring harvest here in, uh, in New England? And we know that that's Josh. And thank you for that providence. Thank you for being faithful. It may not have been on the timeline that anyone here looked for or on the timeline that Josh and Katie looked for, but we know it was on your timeline. We know that it was your will, and we thank you and we praise you for that. We praise you that harvest is coming here at CCC. For it's in Christ's name we pray. Amen. Thank you for, for having us today. Thank you, Todd, for those words. And thank you for Karen for taking the trip out east to, to be with us, and we thank you. At this time, as a church and as a body, we would like to pray for Josh and commission him into the work that the Lord has got. So I'm going to ask Josh if he would come up along with uh, the elders. 
And uh, we're going to be laying on hands and praying for Josh. If you're not familiar with the uh, laying on of hands, it is uh, found throughout the Bible. And uh, I think that Acts 13 is one portion of Scripture that really kind of brings to light the process of the laying on of hands. And uh, the laying on of hands is actually the Holy Spirit that's calling someone into his service. And the church just simply commissions that publicly by the laying on of hands and praying. And I'd like to read that passage of Scripture for you from Acts 13.1. It says that, and this would be uh, prior to Paul being commissioned on his first missionary journey. In the church at Antioch, there were prophets and teachers. And while they were worshiping the Lord and fasting, the Holy Spirit said, set apart for me Barnabas and Saul for the work to which I have called them. So after they had fasted and prayed, they placed their hands on them and sent them off. And we as a church for the last year, as Todd mentioned, have been praying. We've been in a little bit of a time of uncertainty ourselves, searching. And we've prayed as a church for the last year, asking the Lord to send to us something. But it's so interesting as Todd kind of lifts the curtain for us. Behind the scenes across the country, the same thing was going on in Josh's life, that there was a searching and a yearning and a calling. And we have had the opportunity here to see the Lord move and to bring all of this to fruition here by bringing Josh to our church. And so we would like to, in, in, the, in the true form of biblical, to be able to put hands on Josh, lay hands on Josh, and to pray. And we invite all of the church, if you feel comfortable, to extend your hands out as we gather together and lay hands and pray for Josh. Lord, you promised that you would build your church and that the gates of hell would not prevail against it. And by doing this, you continue to raise up shepherds to shepherd your sheep. And you have raised Josh for such a time as this. We do ask, Lord, that you would bless him, give him the spirit of wisdom and discernment to hear your voice and to, and to fulfill your will, your purposes here in this church. We ask that you also would protect him and his family and our church from the forces of darkness that would hinder your work, Lord, not only for us here, but also for the lives that he and, and this church will touch in the years to come. We ask, Lord, as you did for the prophet Elisha, that you would give to Josh a double portion of your Holy Spirit and that your Holy Spirit would fall mightily upon him and upon this church. Lord, that you would be glorified, that this work and that this ministry would glorify you. And we ask all of these things in the name of your Son, our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And everybody said, Amen. 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 Thanks, guys. Thank you. Thanks. Thank you. Well, it is so good to, to be here. Um, we have been, as a family, um, we moved here uh, Father's Day weekend, um, and we have just enjoyed the last several weeks of just being able to attend, to meet so many of you, and if I haven't met you yet, uh, I'm excited just to have the opportunity to do that. And, you know, as Todd mentioned, they have walked with us um, 
for these last two years, and uh, Todd and Karen um, have kept us sane in many, many ways. Um, they, uh, they live about 10 minutes uh, from where we lived in, in Tucson, and uh, they had a pool, which was a godsend in COVID because our neighborhood pool uh, closed down. And so uh, one of my favorite memories, besides Todd almost tearing his ACL on our trampoline, um, one of my favorite memories, we went to their house to swim together. Now, Todd, uh, like myself, is, is highly competitive. Um, as well, uh, our boys are highly competitive. And so Todd uh, challenged our oldest son, Gavin, um, who's 13, to a swimming race. And now, uh, their pool is maybe 25 feet in length, and so Todd said, Gavin, you swim six laps, and I'll swim eight, and we'll see if you can beat me. So Gavin goes, and, and he goes hard. He swims his six laps, we're timing it, and, uh, and, he, and he finishes. I think it was, you know, 40 seconds or something like that, and Todd said, all right, now it's my turn. So Todd leaves the backyard, goes around to his garage, and comes back with a snorkel, goggles, and flippers. <laughs> Makes this big to-do about putting them on on the side of the pool, and does his laps. Well, he finished... He did his eight laps, but Gavin's six-lap time was actually faster than Todd's six-lap time with his fins. And so uh, Todd said that he was going to practice through COVID to eventually beat Gavin, um, and so that was by far one of my favorite uh, memories. But, but Todd has walked uh, so long with Katie and I. And, you know, one of the things that drew us to Community Covenant was the journey we had been on personally was very similar to the journey that you as a church have been on in this last year of searching for what God had next for you. And I remember when Jay from Vanderblom and the search firm that, uh, that you used called me, and I had uh, worked with Jay uh, with some other searches, and I remember he called me um, in February and said, hey, there's this church in Massachusetts and he said, and I think you should talk to them. And he said, I think that you would be a really great fit for them and they would be a great fit for you. And then he said, and I think your family would really thrive there. And now one of the prayers that we had been praying was that we would find a place that our family would thrive in. That was one of the things that we had asked God for. But what made this last year so hard was every year, uh, Katie and I, one of the things that we do is we put together um, a word for the year. We spend time leading into the new year asking God, what is it that you want us to focus on in the coming year? And in 2019, way before COVID hit, Katie and I knew that we were leaving Tucson. We, we had known probably for the last uh, three years or so that Tucson wasn't our home anymore. We knew that God was calling us someplace else, but we didn't know where. And at the end of 2019, as I was praying through what is it that God was wanting me to focus on in 2020, the word that kept coming up was the word wait. Now, I was not excited about this word at all. Um, I am, patience is not a strength of mine. If it is for you, that is awesome. I'm, I'm not jealous of you. I'm just not patient. <laughs> and so, but I, so I kept putting it off and I just kept saying, God, will you give me a different word, <laughs> something else, something that I, I'm excited about, but yet this word just kept coming, wait. And I didn't know why. I didn't know what God had in store. 
but just wait. And one of the passages that God drew my attention to was from Psalm 121. And the reason was that this passage doesn't have very, has very little to do with waiting. But it's a passage and a prayer about help. And this is what Psalm 121 says. It's going to be up on the screen. It says, I lift my eyes toward the mountains. Where will my help come from? My help comes from the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth. He will not allow your foot to slip. Your protector will not slumber. Indeed, the protector of Israel does not slumber or sleep. The Lord protects you. The Lord is a shelter right by your side. The sun will not strike you by day or the moon by night. The Lord will protect you from all harm. He will protect your life. The Lord will protect your coming and going both now and forever. Now, for me, one of the things that drew me to this passage was many historians believe that Psalm 121 is actually a conversation between a traveler and a priest in Jerusalem. Now, the Jewish people, uh, Psalm 121 is part of the Psalms of Ascent. They're the Psalms that the Jewish people would sing and, and pray as they traveled to Jerusalem to be part of the festivals. And many historians believe that Psalm 121 is really this prayer that a a traveler says, you know, where does my help come from? As I go back home, as I'm afraid of the journey I'm going into, as I'm not sure what the future holds, how do I find help? How do I put one foot in front of the other? And the priest is the one that says, your God will not let your foot slip. Your God does not slumber. He is the protector. He will watch over you. Now, as Todd said, as we were in the midst of this season, this passage, Psalm 121, was actually the last sermon that I preached at Pantano. As I knew that we were leaving, um, and I stood up on May 30th to, to finish Ruth 4, it was for us as a couple, as a family, the culmination of thousands of prayers. You see, as we were in this season of knowing that God was calling us somewhere else, we started to ask our kids, what is it, what's the kind of place that you want to live in? What's the kind of place that you want to be from? Because we had talked to so many different people who said, wherever you move next, wherever your kids go to high school, that's where they think they're from. And so without telling our kids what we were praying through, we just said, what are some of the things that that you would, if you could choose anywhere, where would you want to be? And our kids had all kinds of ideas. Our youngest, um, who uh, is nine years old, said, Dad, if I can live anywhere, I want to live in a house with stairs. Now, here's why this is important. In Tucson, almost every house is just one floor. Uh, Having a basement, if you have a basement, you are incredibly wealthy because it, it costs you six figures just to have that basement put into your house. So no one has stairs. So when we came here in May, uh, as, you know, we're asking our kids, you know, what, what do you think? Like, how's the weekend going? Nehemiah, our youngest, said, Dad, I've never seen a state with more stairs. <laughs> and I said, well, great, you know. And uh, uh, one of our other sons, you know, said, Dad, like, I, I just want to be in a place that has lots of grass. And I was like, well, you know, so. <laughs> and then our daughter, I remember uh, one of the things, we love being outside. We love hiking. Uh, we, we love uh, taking trips to the lake. Uh, we didn't have an ocean in Arizona. We had lots of lakes um, that we would go and spend time on boats with, and we'd travel to California to be in the ocean. And our daughter said, Dad, I need to live somewhere that is near water and that I can, 
that is near mountains that I can get to because I, I just can't live somewhere flat, is what she told us. And so yesterday, uh, she turned 16, and uh, Friday we were able to celebrate her birthday at Newport, um, which for us was just a great, great day. But I remember when we got here in May, and we were, uh, we were in this place, I don't know if you've ever been in this place, where you are just physically, emotionally, and spiritually exhausted. Where you just think, God, if you don't, like, end this, come through somehow, some way, I'm not really sure how we're going to keep putting one foot in front of the other. That's how we felt on May 12th when we flew to New England. And I remember before I came here, I came here in April and, uh, and spent two days with the team here. And I remember when, when Greg drove me back to Logan and I was just sitting there processing the, the two days and everybody I had met and everything I had heard. And I remember just hearing Jay's words ring around that your family can thrive here. And I got to Logan and I called Katie and I told her about the trip and, and then I called Todd and he put it on speakerphone so Karen could hear it and I was telling him about the trip. And then he got really quiet when I got done talking. And Todd said, I'm really excited for you, but I'm also really sad because I know you're moving. And he said, but I'm excited because I have not heard you be this excited in over a year. And when we got here in May, as we had begun walking through the process of, of letting go in Tucson, of, of walking with our, the staff at Pantano through our transition and preparing for that, and as we flew across the country that day, which if you've not flown across the country with five kids, you should. You should just find five kids to do that with. Um, you can take ours if you'd like to the next time you do it. But we got here, we were exhausted. We got all of our stuff and we, you know, we, we drove to our Airbnb and on our way there, we, we stopped for some uh, just good local delicacies at Chick-fil-A and gotten Jesus' chicken. And, and we got to our Airbnb in Providence and, and we got there just in time for this. We walked down the hill and this is what waited us. This is what we walked to. Now, there's a couple of things I want to draw your attention to. One, one of the things we were really excited about was it was 106 when we left Tucson that morning, and we got to put coats on that night. So we were really, really excited about that. People have, everyone I meet says, well, what do you think of the weather? How do you like the weather? That's everyone's first question is, what do you think of the weather? And honestly, for us, we're like, we love the variety. Like, we love the rain. People are like, well, just wait till winter. And I'm like, have you lived when it was 121 degrees? Have you lived that? That's different. That's horrible. Where your steering wheel burns and all those things. But I remember when we got to this moment, and Katie and I stood there, and we're standing. There's a bike path in between where we were and where our kids were. And in this moment, what we felt God tell us was, I have not forgotten you. I have not forgotten you while you waited. We felt the smile of God in this moment in a way we had not felt in a year. 
And in talking to so many of you over the last several weeks, I've had so many people say, Josh, as you were praying, we were praying too. And someone told me after the first service, and they said, hey, we just want you to know, we were praying first. <laughs> and somebody did ask me, they were like, are you like an extra large? Because I'm going to get you a Patriots sweatshirt, and, uh, which is great. It's, it's super fun. Ashton, our middle son, when we showed up here at church on Sunday, May 16th, I don't know if you realize that he had a Steelers beanie on. In the car, I told him, dude, you cannot wear that here. And he said, Dad, they got to know who we are. So that's who we are, and uh, I'm excited for all the ribbing that's going to come. And, uh, but we, like you, feel like this moment, this day, this next season is the culmination of thousands of prayers. Some of them prayers that we have been able to verbalize, and then other prayers that we have not been able to verbalize that the Holy Spirit just knew we were praying and asking for. And so here's my encouragement as we close and as we take communion together. I hope today as we start this new season, it's a reminder for you that God answers prayers and that God helps. And so as we take communion, communion is a reminder for us as followers of Jesus of God's love and grace and forgiveness towards us, that he came first, that he took the first step towards us. But it's also, and here's the connection to Psalm 121, Communion is also a reminder of the help that we need. Pastor Matt Chandler says that the cross, every time we look at the cross and every time we take communion, we're reminding ourselves of our need for help, that we can't get there on our own. And so here's what I want to ask you to do. I want to ask you to just take a moment. As the band comes up, I want to ask you to take a moment and just say, God, thank you for your grace and forgiveness, to just take a moment to say thanks because too many times our prayers are simply just uh, prayers, a, a laundry list of things, which isn't bad, but to just say, God, thank you. And then I want to invite you to ask God for help. What is the one place that you need to ask God for help? Maybe it's here at church. Maybe it's in a relationship. But I want to invite you to just say, God, thank you, and to ask for help, to pray to the God who helps and then we'll close and take communion together. So just take a moment and do that. Father, we say thank you because you sent your son to die in our place, rising from the dead, so that we can experience new life in you. And God, as we embark on this new season as a church, we are thankful for what you have brought us through. And we know as we look back over this last season, not only in our family, but also this church, we know and we are reminded that you were with us every single step of the way and that as we enter into this new season that you will walk with us every step of the way. And so God, we are expectant of what you, are, what you have in store for us. We are expectant of what you're gonna do. And so God, as we close, we are asking you to move, to do it again. And in your name, amen. 
When you're ready, I want to invite you to take of the elements of communion. stand and sing together. the 
thank you for being here with us today. If, uh, if you are a guest, um, I'm so excited to be able to meet you. I know many of you uh, are new to me, and so we're, Katie and I are just excited to get to know all of you over the coming uh, weeks and months. And I hope you'll be back next Sunday as we start a brand new series called Start um, on Mark chapter 1. It's going to be a great five weeks together, so I'm going to pray for us and then we'll head out. So Father, I thank you for uh, just again, uh, just what you have done and what you are going to do. We are thanking you in advance for how you're going to move, knowing uh, that your hand is on us, that the good hand of God is upon us as a church. In your name, amen. Have a great week, everybody. We'll see you back next Sunday.